0: Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. And so with that being said, I want to start in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. And I'm just going to read it. And I want you to listen to this verse because it means so much. In a message that I'm entitling Renew. Like if you're wondering where we're going, we're going to talk about what does it mean to Renew. And it simply says this, Jeremiah chapter six, verse 16. You'll see it also on the screen. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Now, I just, you know me, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you done put our church name right in the middle of this. Like, like at that point, they had me in Birmingham. I was like, what? Yeah, and I'm not trying to over-spiritualize stuff, but I'd also don't just be like, wow, wasn't that a coincidence? God has a way of speaking in amazing ways. But he said, standing at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Can I tell you as a pastor where I've been sitting? In the process of trying to chase everything that God's called us to do, I've unintentionally lost out on chasing the new and missing out on what works. Now, don't mishear me. Things are great. I couldn't be more ecstatic of who you are. I'm talking about me personally. I'm not talking about you. uh, Right now, I'm talking about me. I'm being a little bit vulnerable. In the process of trying to get to where we're trying to get to and trying to go to where we're going, I've missed out that there's an amazing process that includes you and includes me. And the reality is, is the journey is the reward. And in the process of chasing some of the things that are new, what I've realized in this scripture is, you know what? You know the way that God renews his church? It's the same way he built it in the beginning. If you notice in this scripture, it says what? He says, look at the ancient paths. Like I will tell you whether you're in parenting, whether it's something with a job, whether you're a teacher getting ready to launch a brand new year and we're gonna be praying for you, whether you're a student going into something different, no matter where you're at in your marriage, no matter matter where you are in life, can I encourage you, don't disregard and throw out the old in the process of chasing the new because you may just find that God always works the way he's always worked. Like there's a lot of great stuff in the ancient paths. And if we will look to God's word and look at what some of those ancient paths are, we may just see that the way that God rebuilds his church, the way that God renews his church is the same way that he built his church from the very beginning. Like nothing's changed, right? Methods may change. But the structure, the vision, the calling has never changed. And so today, I just want to identify, so what is that structure? So what is it that we should focus on? Where do we need to put our focus? You've heard me say more than once. Where your focus is will determine your direction. And I think for some of you and me, I don't know how, but we found ourselves getting in a ditch. And we never intended that, did we? We were just going through life and something came up and it grabbed our focus and we stared at it too long and it became too much of an obsession. And next thing you know, we're stuck in a ditch. Sometimes you can just, if you got a truck like me, we we call that a speed bump. We go into a ditch and out of a ditch very, very quickly. But sometimes you're in a vehicle that once you go in a ditch, you can't get out by yourself. Can I tell you today, that's my biggest desire to come alongside you and to pull you out of the ditch and to put you back on the path and as a church for us to say, okay, now let's go. So where do we find that? Well, we're gonna find that in Numbers, Numbers chapter three, starting in verse 17. And you're gonna see some scriptures on the screen and you're gonna have to bear with me, but what's going on right here is Numbers is an amazing, amazing time. We're gonna be talking about the Levi's and just to give you a little bit of idea in the Israelite system, Uh, These people were divided into many, many different tribes, many, many different clans. I love the Old Testament. I'm, I'm a little bit infatuated with the Old Testament. But the Levitical tribe, the Levites, they were the people that were over the priests. They were the spiritual people. They were the pastors and the leaders of the spiritual things. And so that's one of the reasons why if you were to turn to Leviticus, it is the laws that God had implemented for the Levites to do. That's the reason why you find these different Feast, the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Passover Feast. It was all the instructions that God gave the Levites to implement into his church, and we call it the book of Leviticus. If you ever spend some time reading that, you'll get bogged down very, very quickly. But you just have to understand where it's coming from. It was the instruction for God's people, in particular the priests, the high priest, and the people that were considered clergy to implement and how they were to do it. Now, amazingly enough, we know the end of the story, right? Jesus died on the cross, he rose on the third day, but on that amazing day, the veil was ripped and it was torn and there was no longer this Levitical priesthood we had to go through. We can now have a personal relationship with Christ. But I'd still think there's something we can learn and you're gonna find that in Numbers chapter three and we're gonna be reading verse 16 or 17. And these were the sons of Levi by their names, Gershon, Kohath and Moriah. And you say, okay, what's what's the purpose? You need to understand that even in the very beginning, when God was setting some things up, there were three clans within the clan. There were three sons of Levi. Now just bear with me, because it's going to make sense here in a minute as we get through it. But these three sons of Levi, each had a particular structure or a particular job or a particular concept of what God was calling him to when it came to the temple. Now I'm gonna chase a real quick rabbit, but you need to know that right now the Israelites are nomads. But with that being said, because they were nomads, because this temple was being torn down and and picked back up on their pursuit of God, God put in a structure that was like anything else with these three particular sons of Levi's. And I just wanna show them to you and I wanna dwell on them just a little bit more and let you know a little bit of the structure that should be in your own life. The first one that you're gonna find is gonna be on these three sons is in Numbers chapter three, verses 33 through 30, 36 through 37. And this is the Marites. They were appointed to take care of the frames of the tabernacle, its crossbars, its posts, its bases, all its equipment, and everything related to their use, as well as the posts of the surrounding courtyards with the bases, the tent pegs, and the ropes. This would have been the structure of what would be the tabernacle. This particular clan was responsible to carry the heavy stuff. These pillars of stone. Realize they didn't have, anybody remember the old wooden tables? Like if you're on the set down and breakup team, one of the things that we spend some of the finances on is getting the lighter plastic tables. You say, why? Because the wooden tables are out of the pits of hell. (laughs) Like I'm a 46-year-old grown man and if I can't pick up the table and I need help, then you know what I call that? A useless table. Throw that thing in the dumpster and let's go get something that somebody everyday ordinary can pick up and move. That's not what this was like. There was stuff. I mean, like, this was major, major concepts. This is the the structure, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute. These are the pillars. This is what everything else is going to hang on. The third, or the second, I'm sorry, the second is in Numbers chapter 3, verse 25. And this was the Gishonites. At the tent of the meeting, they were responsible for the care of the tabernacle and the tent and its coverings and the curtain and the entrance of the tent meeting. So to put that in perspective, what was going on here is you had this one particular group that they were responsible for, put all the pillars, the heavy stuff, after they would get this set up, then the next group would come in and they had all the cloths and the tents and the buckles. If you've ever been camping, you know what this is like, right? One person is kind of laying out the foundation, the next person is popping this stuff up. And that was what they were responsible for. So all of a sudden, if God starts to move, the first thing that happens is what? We want to be where God is. And so everybody had a responsibility and you know what this clan didn't do? They didn't start grabbing the pillars. They would start taking down the tents, folding up the tents, being responsible for these tents. There would be the outer tent that would be on the pillars and inside the middle would be a smaller tent, which is where the Holy of Holies was, where the Ark of the Tabernacle, where some of the furnitures and things would be. They would start, they were setting up the structure, the, the curtains that are around to set this stuff up. But then the third one, the third son of Levi, which you find in Numbers chapter 3, verse 31. And they were responsible for taking care of the ark, the table, the lampstand, and the altars. The articles of the sanctuary used to ministering, the curtain, and everything related to their use. See, what you had is you had these three different people. In order to make this happen, when something hit and God moved, everybody knew their responsibility, and they started taking care of what they were supposed to do. And because they knew exactly what they were called to do, what they didn't do is start overstepping and doing what somebody else's job was because things had to be done quickly. And so all of a sudden with the the Ark of the Covenant and some of the spiritual things that are there, the furnitures, this particular clan would come in and would they take care of that? Now, if you do any sort of research, this was a really big deal. Like I can read for you and I'm not gonna take time to do that today, but there were several people that, you know. one poor guy tripped and fell and touched the Ark of Covenant and scripture says he died right there on the spot. You say, wow, like that's that's terrible. yeah. But that's what happens when holiness enters and God ordains different people to do different things and to do their different jobs and has ordained it to be done extremely well. And so after thinking through this and listening to this and taking some notes, here's one of the things I want you to realize. We can take each one of these particular clans underneath this tribe of the Levites, and we can understand some amazing things for your personal life. Can we go back and revisit? The first one that I want you to write down is we need to have a renewal of the structures in our life. If you think about the first person, the first clan that we talked about, we were talking about these pillars, these strong men. Write down, if you're taking notes, the word foundation. Do you know before anything else could happen in this holy of holies, there had to be a foundation that was built in which would keep everything up and standing. And God had ordained for these people to focus particularly on the foundational things of what would be his mobile tabernacle. Can I tell you personally, you may be really good at the curtains hanging in your house. And I'm not talking about house like at the house, I'm talking about house like you personally, your house. And you may be really good and some of the spiritual things that you put in your life. But if the foundation, the foundational things of your life, if those things are not intact first, then scripture tells us what? You're a fool who has built his house on the sand. In fact, there's an amazing story It's not a story, it's an account. It's in Genesis chapter 26, verses 12 through 18. I I wanna read this very quickly just to kind of give you an idea of how big of a deal structure was during this time and and how it kind of goes back. It's an amazing story of Isaac. In verse 12 of Genesis chapter 26, it says this, Isaac planted crops in that land and that same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servant had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filled them with earth. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. What I'm trying to tell you is, listen, there is going to be things in your life that are working, functional, foundational things. And if you're not careful, what the world wants to do is it's not probably going to attack you at these other levels we're going to talk about in just a minute. Where it's going to attack you at is the foundation. In fact, if you study anything about war and, and armies and military, one of the first things they try to do is identify where will the foundation crumble at? Where's the main communication port? Where's the weakest part for entry? Where can I attack this house and the whole house is gonna fall? You know, you can shoot at the roof and knock off the roof, but that doesn't mean this thing's gonna collapse. But if you take out the foundation, then this thing cannot stand. I think for you spiritually, you're gonna deal with spiritual warfare that's at a foundational level. And as a church, we're gonna deal with spiritual warfare that's at a foundational level. But the question is, well, well, how can we make sure that doesn't happen? We can look at Isaac That's what they realized, Isaac was was being multiplied. This amazing concept of a hundredfold was happening and the Philistines saw what was going on and the first thing they said was, you know what? I envy what he's got going on, I've gotta stop that. What are we gonna do? We're gonna go back to all these wells that his forefathers built. And we're gonna clog these things up, we're gonna pour mud in them. I think in God's church today, you know what one of the things that have happened? Some of the foundational parts of God's church, we've allowed the world to fill up these wells where living water lives, where God's word lives, and we've allowed it to be filled up with mud. And then we think that, oh, you know what we need to do? We need to go dig new wells. And God's like, no, 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 what you need to do is go reopen the old wells. Like, you need to go back to where I've already been. You want me to give you a biblical principle? If you want to be where God is, then you need to be where he is. How's that for Captain Obvious? If you want to see God move, then you need to go where God's moved. If you want to see where God speaks, then you need to go where he's spoken. Like God is the same God that he was for the Old Testament, the New Testament, and in 2021. Do you know why it's important for you to be in church? Because God's always spoke through his church. Do you know why it's important for you to be in God's word? Because he's always spoke through his word. And I think for you personally, rather than trying to, to innovate and create and create something new, you may need to stop and say, you know what? Where has been my forefathers' enrichment? And where do I need to go back and redig the same wells? I love the fact that in the scripture it says, not only did they redig the wells, but they called them the same things. But I think for you, the foundational side. So, what do those foundational things look like? If you're taking notes, write some of these things down. Personally, You need to check your vision and values. You may tell you something that's that's foundational for your life. What's your personal vision that God's called you to, and where's your values? I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this because you can go back two weeks. Two weeks ago, I did a whole message talking about values. It was the towards the end, it was the first part of the FOMO series conclusion. But I want you to know that if your vision and values aren't right, it doesn't matter whatever else you're gonna do. The second thing i tell you to check, check the leadership that's in your life. Who are you listening to? You hear one of our montages on a regular basis. Your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. That's not really a statement that you can challenge. You can just know that there's gonna come a point that you're gonna look back and you go, you know what? By golly, that guy, he actually knew what he was talking about. But you need to know that you need to not only check the visions and the values of your life, but you also need to check who has your ear. Who are you listening to? Who is leading you in your life? Another thing i tell you to check that's really a foundational thing, if you want to talk about where you're going and what you want God to do in your life, you ought to check the finances of your life. There's a biblical principle that's in God's Word that we don't ever talk about. But it says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? But there's something before that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what some of you guys have an issue with? What I have an issue with? My heart's exactly where it needs to be. It's just that where it needs to be and where I put my treasures is not where God wants me to be. I'm putting my treasures and my time and my talents at things that God's not called me to. It goes back to the visions and the values. But if you want to create a foundation that's going to stand, that when the storm comes and everything hits, stuff like corona hits, stuff like marriage is struggling, relationship issues, addiction issues, different things that you didn't see coming, when the storms hit, if you want your house to stand, you better check some of these foundational things. One of those is your finances. You better believe that God desires for you to be generous and obedient. And then the last thing that I tell you to write down, and these are not necessarily in a particular order, but you better check the doctrines of your life. I'm gonna come back to that one in a minute. But can I ask you, what do you believe? But a real personal question. This is a tough one. Do you have faith in Christ or do you have your grandparents' faith in Christ? Do you have a belief in God's word because of what you studied and you know as God's word or do you have your parents' belief in God's word? Do you believe what you believe because wow, it sounded really good from the stage and that's what Pastor Mickey said. Or have you actually experienced and worked it out and said, you know what, I know without a shadow of a doubt that this is where I stand because this is where God has convicted me. This is where my faith. See, all those things are foundational. I gotta pick up the pace because there's so much more to get to and there's a moment that I'm trying to get to that I think is gonna be a really big deal. The second thing that you're gonna see out of numbers, it's a really, really big deal with these three particular tribes is you had one that was carrying the heavy stuff, the foundational stuff. Without this foundational things, you couldn't put up the curtains, you couldn't put up the tent, you couldn't put up the other things. But then there's this second group, right? The second group, they were responsible for the curtains. The word that I want you to write down is they were all about the system, Like after the foundation was laid, there was a system that was put in place that was going to be functional for people to experience God. If you say, well, Mickey, what in the world's a system? I just want to read for you what I wrote down as a system. A system is a set of principles and procedures that determine how something is accomplished. Fair enough? See, I, I think for most of us, here's where we land. We know the vision and the value that God's called us to We know the things that we are working towards. We know some of the doctrine that he has for us. We know what we need to do to be obedient in different areas of our life. We know all those things. The problem is, I just don't have a system to get there. Most of us in this room, not only do we have a system that doesn't work, not only do we have a system to not get to where we need to go and what God's calling us to do, we're also not willing to make the sacrifice it may take to use the system God's given us to get to what he wants in our lives. I heard it put this way. There's a lot of people in your life and in my life that want to get to where we are but they want to do what we did. Can I tell you that God's consistency is always consistent? He's never going to ask you to do something that he didn't ask somebody else to do that got him there. It's just a matter of if you're willing to make the commitment. And because of that for most people, you know what we're lacking? We're lacking in a system. We don't have a system that works. In your personal life, you may have a desire and a calling and a vision and values on your life, but the bottom line is you don't have a system that works. I need to move on because of time, and I apologize. The third person that's there, the third part of this group that was going on was the aspect of this tribe that would take care of what was the furniture. They were to take care of the spiritual things, the Ark of the Covenant, these different little little altars that were put up these different things that would be set up. So when they started breaking this down, you had a tribe that built like the foundation. They would grab this stuff. You had the people that would get the curtains. But then there was another group that was totally different. They would take care of all the furnishings and the spiritual things. I want you to know that today, I think that's where we're at. I want you to know that today, that is what God has spoke to me more than ever before. I want you to know that without a Doubt in my mind, I know what God has called you to personally and what he's called us to corporately. I'm gonna give you four things that we're gonna renew over the next two and a half, three months. We're gonna focus on these furnishings that are inside this temple, the holy things. And I wanna tell you what these four things are. Number one, we've gotta have a renewal, a renewed focus on worship. We gotta have a renewed focus on worship. The second thing that we're gonna focus on, when we talk about these spiritual things, and I promise this, I'm almost done. Give me six more minutes. We need to also have a renewal, a renewed focus on the word of God. A renewed focus on the word of God. Can I read you a quote that absolutely knocked me off my seat? Listen to this, it comes from Timothy Keller. If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Can I put that in a different way? If every time you read God's word, you're like, "Mm mm-hmm, buddy, wow, that's exactly what I think then you may not be worshiping God. You may be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. You know what? God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. There are gonna be things in God's word that pushes you in a very strong way that you go, ooh, I don't even know if I like this, but boy, that's what it's saying. And you know what I tell you to do? Do what it says. But Mickey, is that gonna make me an outcast? Mickey, is that gonna make me irrelevant? Mickey, do what it says. Love God love people do what it says we're going to have a renewed focus on that we're going to have a renewed focus on the holy spirit you say maybe well, yeah, I don't even know what that means listen I was in baptist life for 25 years be honest with me I don't know what that means either but I tell you what it doesn't mean we're not going to take the third part of the trinity and act like it doesn't exist You know what Matthew says? Can I read to you what Matthew says? Matthew chapter nine, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. I'm gonna tell you, I don't understand all of it, but if you told me right now we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and watch the miraculous happen, you know what I say? Yes, Lord, please do it now. What if you can't explain it? Well, praise the Lord, it's never been built on my explanation because I'm terrible at that but I want to see God sweep through you and sweep through me. I want God's spirit to be empowering. Most people leverage this in a way that they almost feel like it makes them better than somebody else. Listen to me, being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make you better than anybody else. It just makes you better than you. But the third, I mean, the fourth thing that I want to focus on, which is where I want to focus today, and I'm done, is we're going to have a renewed focus on prayer. I'm gonna come back to that in just a minute, but I wanna close with the final scriptures. And then I'm gonna come back to this aspect of prayer and what that means for us. Numbers chapter seven, you have these these three tribes underneath Levi, this one tribe and these three clans. And and Moses has all this set up and listen to what happens. When Moses finished setting up the tabernacle, he anointed it and consecrated it and all its furnishings. He also anointed it and consecrated the altar and all its utensils. Then the leaders of Israel, the heads of the family who were the tribal leaders, in charge of those who were counted, made an offering. They brought as their gifts before the Lord six covered carts and 12 oxen, an ox for each leader and a cart for every two. These they presented before the tabernacle. Jumping down to verse 6. So Moses took the carts and oxen and gave them to the Levites. These these clans with these three, right? Now listen to what he does. Here's the aha moment. Listen, this is where it gets good. So he gave two carts and four oxen to the Gishonites as they work required it. This was the people that were in charge of the tents. He said, you know what? I'm gonna give you what you need to haul this stuff. Then he turns around to the next ones, right? He turns around and says, and I have given four carts and eight oxen to the Marites as their work required. You know what? He, he gave more to the people that are carrying the heavy stuff. He's like, you guys are doing the foundational stuff. You're doing these pillars. You're doing, I'm gonna give you more. Now, if you're doing math, all of a sudden you're realizing what? He's giving everything away. He's got two of three clans covered, but he's out of oxen, out of carts. The people that were doing the, the systems, he gave them some oxen and he gave them some carts to cover and to take that system, those tents, that, that thing. The people that had the foundational stuff, he gave them those things. But guess what, there's still this one clan left, right? It's the people that that carry the ark, that carries the furnishings, that carry the spiritual things. And listen to what he says. Woo, this changed my life. They were all under the direction of the son of Aaron, the priest. But Moses did not give any of the cohorts because they were to carry on their shoulders the holy things. For which they were responsible. You let me to tell you what God's calling us to? You let me to tell you why one of them didn't get anything? Because the holy things aren't supposed to be delegated. You're supposed to pick those things up on your own shoulders, and you're supposed to carry those things. And there's never been a time in the history of this world. This God's ever asked you to delegate and make easy the holy things. And so what does that mean for crossroads? We're fixing to re-delegate our structures and our systems, but we're also fixing to own up and carry the spiritual things. That's where most of you are in your life and where I'm at. We're asking like, Lord, can I not get an ox? Can I not get a cart? These, these, these holy things are heavy. They're weighing me down. Can I not get a little bit of help? And God's like, no, no, you carry that. You pick that up on your shoulders along with some other people and you carry those holy things. Why? Because they're precious. So let's go back to prayer. If you're joining us online, this is where it's gonna change and be a little bit more for the home folk. And some of you online are home folk, but let me tell you what we're about to do. We've been advertising for a few weeks. We've been excited. We had a connect breakfast. We're getting ready to launch all these community groups and it's gonna be amazing. And we got growth track next week and it's gonna be amazing. And you know what we're gonna do? I'm gonna hit a stop button. We're not doing any of that. What we are gonna do is we're gonna pray first. We're gonna renew our focus to prayer. Over the next three weeks, starting next Sunday, we're going to launch into 21 days of prayer. And your staff has already made a commitment. Are you ready? It's not because we have to, it's because we get to, right? After service next Sunday, starting that Monday, for those that want to join, every morning from 6 to 7 o'clock, for 21 days, there will be a prayer service inside this building before you go to work, before you go to school, before you do anything that if you wanna join, you're more than welcome to join. And we're gonna pick up these spiritual things. And we're not gonna become holier than thou. We're not gonna start looking down at our nose at people. But it'll be obvious what the difference at Crossroads is. And it's gonna be obvious in your life too. I'm just wondering who's willing to go with me. I'm willing who's to make a commitment that I'm gonna pray first. Who's willing to make a commitment saying you know, I'm gonna get into God's word. I wonder who's gonna sit down and look at their life and say, you know, what's the foundational things in my life? What wells do I need to reopen? I'm wondering who's gonna be willing to look at their life and say, you know, what structures do I have to get me? What vehicle am I using to get to what God's calling me to do? And I'm extremely consumed with who's willing to take back the spiritual, and say, no, 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 you're not carrying that. I got that one. You want me to tell you what's wrong with our nation in 2021? We've handed over the spiritual to non-spiritual people. That's not a political statement. That's a biblical truth. It's time for us to say, thank you. I need that back. I love you, I'm not belittling you, I'm not degrading you, but you're not gonna define what God's word says. on these. I'm gonna take that spiritual back, I'm gonna carry it, and I'm gonna show you by the way that I love you and the way that I love God what God's word's really all about. But it's gonna start with a commitment. You say, what am I gonna do this week? You're gonna meditate and pray over this. I don't want you to be like, oh man, I got that, man. Let's let's go, Pastor. No, 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 no. Stop. And take the next seven days to ask yourself how far are you really ready to go with God? How far are you ready to go? If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.